This is the On the Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 96 of the On the Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for joining us. It is a special week on the banks here. Both men's and women's lacrosse teams have made the NCAA tournament. First time ever on the same season. Uh, it's also the first time since 2004 for the men's lacrosse team. First time since 1999 for the women's team. So it is an exciting week, and we're going to dedicate this entire episode to previewing the NCAA tournament for both programs. We're very fortunate to have second-year head coach Melissa Lehman, a women's lacrosse team, as well as senior T.T. Naslonski, one of the uh, all-time points leaders in program history. Uh, we'll start with both of them, and then we'll transition to the men's side. We'll have Coach Brian Brecht, who we had here in the preseason, previewing his team now we'll talk to him a few days out from his first NCAA tournament appearance uh, as a head coach at Rutgers, as well as uh, star Adam Charlambides, who has been with the program for, for many years and uh, one of the best players in the country in program history. So really excited to talk to all of them in regards to where their programs are at. Uh, the women's team will play this Friday against Drexel at 4 p.m., uh, that game will be seen on ESPN Plus. And then on Saturday, you have the men's team taking on Patriot League champion Lehigh at 2.30. So it will be an action-packed weekend here on the banks. Women's lacrosse looking for their first NCAA tournament win in program history. Men's has not won since 1990. They beat Virginia 7-6. to So looking for their first program win in 31 years. So accomplished a lot of history at Rutgers this past year. Uh, ending droughts with men's basketball. Now we're on to lacrosse for both programs. So should be a lot of fun and wanted to preview the action with talking with both coaches and players from both teams. So with no further delay, we're going to start off with second year coach Melissa Lehman and we welcome her in now. It's my pleasure to welcome in Rutgers women's lacrosse head coach Melissa Lehman. Her second year and first full year on the banks takes the program to its second ever NCAA tournament appearance. Coach Lehman, congratulations and thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It was an exciting night last night and um, uh, excited to be here. So just in terms of the culmination of the last year plus, uh, you know, you were hired almost two years ago. Obviously, last year was cut short due to COVID. You know, it was a disjointed offseason. How has the whole journey been for you, um, your first head coaching job, and just uh, to get to the program where you are today, sitting here, getting ready for an NCAA tournament game a few days away? Well, it has been quite a journey um, and definitely not the first or second year that you think of when you take over a program, especially in your first head coaching job. But I really wouldn't trade this journey and um, everything that we've um, accomplished and been through together as a team, as a school, um, a department for the world. We've, um, you know, last year had an amazing start to our season and we're really gelling and finding our chemistry and it was cut short and that kind of shocked every everyone um you know around the country and stopping your seasons and that you had worked so hard for and through it all we really found that we came together we came together as a team and we we had unfinished business and that's what we talked about a lot um over the summer and really being thankful for every opportunity that we get to play together. And, you know, this, this tough, challenging time has brought us together in so many ways. And you've had to lean on one another, you know, your teammates, your coaches, your support staff, and we've all been in it together. And we've all believed that we were going to get to a point where we would actually play a season. And it's been exciting, you know, a big 10 only season. And that's what you live for competing against the best of the best teams. And our team had the mindset that they were just going to go out and compete and fight for every single thing. And that's what they've done all year. And they've had each other's backs. And um, I couldn't be more proud of them, the way they play together, play for each other, um, never give up. And that's a huge reason why we're, we're still playing in May. We got that call last night, which was so exciting in our, our brand new film room, watching it on the big screen. And the girls just had um, such an incredible reaction, seeing their name. I just felt so happy and proud and excited for them that we get to continue. And talking about the, the chemistry your, your program has built in the last year, how important has it been for the veterans that you inherited to buy into your culture? You know, T.T. Naslonski 
uh, Marin Hartshorn, Dana Pena, uh, how they've helped lead the younger players you've, you've infused into the program and how everyone's really mixed well together and um, elevated the play uh, in a very quick time. Yeah, I think one of the greatest things about the veterans we have on this team, and it was true last year as well with the seniors, um, they're really team first and they care about the program and the culture and their teammates like they are their sisters and their family and they want what's best for one another. And that's something we talk about a lot as a team. We've had a lot of team discussions on um, it's not just individual success. That's not going to get us anywhere. It's about the team and having leaders that really get that and care about the well-being of every single person on this team. Um, that's when you have something really special when it comes to team culture and getting people on board because um, the younger freshmen and sophomores, they know how much they care and they want it and they want it not just for them, but for the whole team. And, um, you know, they compete at a very high level and they believe in each other. And you can feel that. And that's really, you know, that's what I wanted to create with this team, a, a culture where they would do anything for each other. It's a true family and they're, they're just going to work hard for one another day in and day out. Talking about the start of this season, you know, jumped out to a three, one start, you swept the Ohio state early, uh, and then you went through that losing streak. What changed about this team? Uh, how did they handle that adversity so well in terms of responding and finishing the way you did program first victories over Johns Hopkins, Maryland, and Penn state? Yeah. So, um, it was a tough few games in the middle of the season for us. And I think that made us stronger. We had to find, we had to learn and we had to grow from those games against Michigan and Northwestern. And I think that we weren't playing the best team game that we are capable of. And as a team, um, watching our team play on the attack, we play our best when we're sharing the ball and we're playing fast and we just got a little bit stagnant. And so I think it was a great learning experience for the team about, you know, how we play at our best, what that looks like watching a lot of film. We had two and a half weeks off um, after that Northwestern game to really think about X's and O's and where we could be better and how we could perform better on the field. But I think more than that, we came together even closer as a team off the field. And that was not something we planned because after those tough losses, I really challenged the team of um, getting better individually as a player, right? How can we be, be better with our skills um, when we have to face Maryland to, um, you know, start the back half of our season. And, you know, we, we started reading a book called Wolfpack by Abby Wambach. And, you know, it's just, I think it's really empower, empowering for women and how they champion each other and um, what good teammates are about and the conversations we've had. So we listen to a chapter uh, on an audio book and have a team discussion afterwards and just the team bonding and sharing and then being vulnerable and talking about things and how we can be a better teammate um, and how we can be a better and stronger team together. Um, that's what I saw. And you know, I think that we saw that in our first Maryland game and we didn't find success in that game. We came back from a, a big first half deficit. We were down eight to three, but you saw the fight and you saw how much the team believed in each other. And that carried us into those historic wins for a program over Penn State and Maryland to, to end the season. And I think that was a big turning point those two weeks for us. And just talking about your last time out, uh, you know, you took on undefeated Northwestern, one of the best teams in the country, uh, and, and you had a lead for a couple of different spots in the game. Cassidy Spillis tie, actually set a Big Ten uh, single game record, Big Ten tournament game with nine goals. You know, what does she do for your team when she's playing at her highest level? And how are you able to kind of trigger that in terms of does it spin off of your team play to be able to get her at that high level? Yeah. Cassidy's fearless. She's a competitor and it doesn't matter what team she's playing. And, you know, she's going up against the number two team in the country and she was ready to compete. She was ready to take it hard to cage. And she um, was able to score in a number of ways. And when she gets going, um, that I think opens up a lot of opportunity for other people. And so I was happy to see her um, have such a great game. And, you know, when you play a team like Northwestern and 
they're a team that's going to come after you, you know, for 60 minutes. And especially after a day that you've played a game 24 hours before, we knew that we had to be ready to fight. We had to be ready to come out strong in the beginning of the game and set the tone. And, um, you know, I think the whole team did Cassidy for sure, um, got us on the board, which is what we needed. But I think overall, we just had a lot of confidence and I know it didn't end up um, going in our favor at the end, but we played um, toe-to-toe with a, a top-ranked program for about three quarters of that game and feeling like we could leave that game proud of what we had had accomplished, how we played. Um, I think it was that that's what we needed to do going into NCAAs. And we needed to feel like we could play and, and be in a game with a top team that we hadn't in our previous matchups with Northwestern. And so it's a huge confidence boost for us going into this tournament. So talking about that next step, you take on Drexel on Friday at 4 p.m. You're obviously familiar with Drexel with your time at Penn. Uh, you played them in 2018, 2019. Um, they're right now the sixth highest scoring team in college across you know, ha- does having that familiarity with that program help with such a short turnaround? And, um, you know, what is that? Does playing a team like Northwestern that's so uh, uh, offensive, you know, help going into placing a team that, you know, is as successful as Drexel has been 13 and two uh, entering the tournament? Yeah, so I definitely have a lot of familiarity, like you said, with Drexel um, playing them. I even played them as a player. So um, a lot of uh, experience. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things with Drexel, they're, they're, they're a scrappy team. They're gritty. They have good skills and they're playing really well together. They have good chemistry. And so, um, you know, I've I played against a, or I coached against a lot of the players that you're seeing right now. They were they were freshmen and sophomores when I coached against them. And um, now they're the leaders of their team. So it's neat to see. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for Jill, their coach, who's actually a good friend of mine. So it'll be an interesting matchup. But you know, like you said, they're putting up a lot of goals. And for us, we have to be ready defensively. I I think um, Northwestern did prepare us for that, just knowing that we have to be solid, we have to be able to um, limit the looks that they want to see, and their biggest tendencies. And so that'll go into our game plan. But more than that, it's um, what can we control on the possession side of the ball. And I think whenever you are playing a team that puts up a lot of numbers, a lot of shots, a lot of goals and points on the board, you need to find a way to limit the opportunities that they have the ball in the st- their sticks. And for us, that's winning the draw control battle. I know they're equally as they're, they're very good at the draw, but um, our draw unit has been playing very well together and they did a really nice job of that in our Northwestern game. And so that'll be a big key in this game to give us the possessions and then having our attack gel like we've been um, in the second half of the, of the season so far. So just a couple more for you, coach, um, you know, leaning on your experience at Penn, you know, both as a player, you played in a national final and then, you know, went pretty much every season you were associate head coach there under Karen Corbett. What was that experience? How, how has that helped you lead a team that has no idea what the NCAA tournament environment is like and and able to, you know, help prepare them for, for what's ahead? Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for my experience that I had playing for Karen and coaching with her. So throwing it way back, she recruited me to Penn when Penn was not a very strong program at all. And so I learned a lot of what it took to build a program and to have a vision for what you see for that program and have players buy in. And so, you know, she, she always talked about setting high goals, having high standards and expectations and believing in the work that you put in. And it's not easy, but you need to put in the work off the field and and prepare. And so that's what we've been doing the last um, two years with this team um, and taking a page out of her playbook for our success. And, you know, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, it's exciting and no question it's new, but um, you have to go into it with the same mindset um, and and approach each game the same way you've been. And I I feel like we've been very lucky this season competing in the big 10 only because we had to bring our a game every single game um, regardless of the opponent, because they're all fantastic teams um, with so much talent. And um, you know, I feel like this team is prepared They're They've taken it one game at a time and it's about feeling confident in your game plan and feeling confident in your teammates beside you and believe 
believing in, in yourselves and what you're able to accomplish. And last question, just uh, in regard to that experience, you know, how do you as a head coach approach the team and balancing the emotions of making this NCAA tournament, you know, something that the program has done only once before having that opportunity for history in front of you to win the first, uh, first NCAA tournament game in uh, program history versus being prepared and being able to play in the moment um, on Friday. Yeah, I mean, we've had we've had a lot of firsts this year with um, some historic wins and we've enjoyed the moment and I've, I've wanted them to enjoy the moments and last night was their moment and today it was back to work and it's, it's not about the rankings. It's not about, you know, who you're playing, what pod you're in. It's about that game. And, you know, that's, that's how we've approached every, every game and every high that we've had so far after that Penn state win, which was a huge first for a team. We had to come back a couple of days later and compete against Maryland and to be able to be focused and ready for that. Um, that's a testament to how dialed in, this team is the leadership and it's on to the next and they're ready for business head coach melissa layman thank you so much for your time best of luck on friday in the ncaa tournament tremendous success so far and we're uh, Rutgers fans are excited to see what's in store in the future awesome well i appreciate it and go rut thanks to coach layman for talking about this past season and previewing what's ahead for this program really exciting to have her on the banks i think she's going to do great things with Rutgers women's across now it's time to talk to T.T. Nislanski, second team, all Big Ten selection. She's nearing the top 10 now in uh, career points and program history. Let's speak with her now. It's my pleasure to welcome in Rutgers women's lacrosse senior T.T. Nislanski. Uh, 24 hours after the program uh, earned its first NCAA tournament bid since 1999 and second all-time historic season on the banks. T.T., welcome. Thanks so much for, for joining us and uh, congratulations on making the NCAA tournament. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. So just wanted to, uh, obviously you've had a tremendous career at Rutgers. You're going to go down as one of the uh, all-time points leaders in program history. What has your career been like at Rutgers? You started with Coach uh, Laura Brandsias. Obviously Coach Lehman came in two years ago. How has that whole transition been? And, um, you know, how satisfying is it to be where you're at right now towards the end of your career? Yeah, so definitely big transition, getting a new coach halfway through my uh, my career here at Rutgers. But I think just coming in, Rutgers has always been so close to home and such a great place where I've always looked up to and I've gone to football games my whole life. So Rutgers has always been on my radar. And I think just finally being here freshman year and getting minutes freshman year, it was a dream come true. And I know every every kid's dream is making it to the NCAA tournament. So the fact that now that dream has finally come true. I think it's just unreal. And everything that's gone through the past two years with the transition with Melissa Lehman, I think it's just been so smooth and I couldn't have thought of it any better way. Just in terms of, you know, how last year ended, obviously with COVID, the season ended short, you know, and, and having a disjointed off season with the transition with the new coaching staff, how has it really brought the team together? You have a, a really good mix of, you know, veteran seniors and, yeah. and younger players um, that are, are making an impact. How has that whole time in the last year helped your team uh, chemistry-wise get to where you are now? Yeah, so last year when we found out our season was cut short, it was devastating. A lot of tears in the locker room, a lot of hugs, a lot of a lot of things we wish we could have done. And I think that really just fueled us for this season. And knowing that you never know when your last game is going to be. That's what we that's the mentality we play with every single game. So I think just keeping that mentality and keep pushing so we can go as far as possible. In terms of this season, you know, you got off to a great start, three and one start. Uh, and then there was that losing streak. Um, in the middle of the season. And then something seemed to change and you, you guys have really finished the season strong. Was there anything that clicked for you uh, in terms of uh, that you saw within the team being a, a captain, a leader, or, or is it just kind of gradual improvement that things, um, you know, kept fighting and, and obviously the results got even better? Yeah, I think we went on a six game losing streak. And I think that just really fired us up. And after coming off the great beginning that we had, we knew that if we kept losing, like our season was not going to go how we wanted to. And I think it was just a, it was a mindset change that we realized our potential as a team and how far we really could go. And I think that's when the, when the switch flipped uh, in that Maryland game at college park, we ended up losing by two, but I think that really showed us that we're able to compete with the best of the best. Maryland's always been a top program. And I think during that game, even though we fell short in that game, that's what fired us up and, the next two games, we came back and we beat Penn State and Maryland in the same weekend. So I think just 
always using that fuel to fuel us, our previous games to fuel us. And I think that's that's really just the mentality that we changed. Just in terms of, of where this program is now, obviously, you know, you have uh, Cassidy Spillis who's come in and, um, you know, been up front with you uh, in terms of you two being the, the two leading scorers. How have you been able to work with her and how has your relationship really benefited this team overall? Yeah, I think just in general, the whole the whole underclassmen, the whole sophomore class um, have really stepped up big and are part of the bricks to this foundation and especially Cassie she's a great player she's one of my favorite targets to hit in the middle and I just can't wait to see what she does when she's an upperclassman and the years to come she has a great career ahead of her just talking about the season a little bit you know after that losing streak but just accomplishing program first uh, wins over Penn State Johns Hopkins and Maryland aside from making the in-state tournament just what does that mean to you as a, a long time you know part of this program and someone that's followed Rutgers for a long time be able to accomplish that and and how has that helped your team's confidence now going into the postseason? It's an unreal feeling. In previous years, we've only I've only ever beaten Michigan in the Big Ten. And Big Ten competition is the most fun because I think, arguably, I think that is the best conference in, the, in women's lacrosse. So especially this year coming out with those historic wins, I really think it just, it sets the foundation for Rutgers lacrosse and that we're not someone to mess with and you don't want to play us. We're going to be in every single game. And I really just think that, those historic wins are just the beginning, and that's really what Rutgers lacrosse is about now, and that's the standard. A couple more in terms of uh, this matchup with Drexel. Um, you know, it's uh, you're playing every week, sometimes twice a weekend. Now you're kind of in a little bit of a gap in between games from um, the Big Ten. How, how, as a team, are you able to stay sharp and ready, and um, how are you able to balance kind of the emotions of the high of making the tournament versus being prepared for this opportunity that's in front of you? Yeah, definitely coming off of yesterday, everybody was really, really on a high that we made it. But today at practice, it's the focus is just to get back to work. Obviously, everyone's celebrating. We just we're making history. We're not done yet. But everybody's mentality is in the same place that we still have unfinished business and we still have a job to do. So I think every single person on the team is really locked in in that aspect. Talking about history, I wanted to delve into your family history a little bit. You mentioned it in the beginning about uh, following Rutgers for a long time, but your your father and uncle played for the men's lacrosse team. Your mother was a cheerleader at Rutgers. You know, how special is it for your family? Um, not only that you're on the women's team being able to make the NCAA tournament, but the men's team doing it as well. First time in, in Rutgers history, both teams made it. And um, just how much fun has it been able to play your college career in front of your family and, and in your home state? It's honestly a great feeling every single time that I put on the block R it's just a sense of family to me and I know my whole my whole team is my family but it digs even deeper than that my uncle and my dad were both all Americans and my mom the cheerleader of them all it really just drives me every single day I get a text from my uncle I get a text from my my dad and my mom of course but my uncle and dad are always always my biggest fans and my mom as cliche as it sounds, really is the cheerleader. If you look in the stands or hear somebody in the stands, you know it's my mom going around talking to everyone with the pom pom. Like she is, both my parents and my uncle are my biggest fans, and my mom is definitely, definitely the cheerleader in that. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely listen on the broadcast uh, Friday. Last question, just in terms of talking about history, you know, the program's never won an NCAA tournament game. Your team has made history already this year. Being a leader on this team, what is your focus for yourself, but also for the team to be able to make even more history on Friday uh, in the NCAA tournament? I think just something that we've always talked about this year and something that we live by is 1% more. And I think just giving that 1% more on the field and leaving everything on the field. I think if every single person on that team does that, there's no way that we're coming home on Friday. T.T. Naslanski, senior, second team, all Big Ten selection, one of the best players in program history. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this Friday and, uh, and good luck. Thank you guys so much. Go are you. Thanks so much to T.T. Naslanski for talking about uh, the culture change uh, in Piscataway with that team. She's been with this program for four years now and an integral part of the progress they've made under Coach Lehman. And now we're going to transition to the men's team and catch back up with Coach Brian Brecht, who we spoke with in the preseason and who was really excited about his team's prospects. They went eight and two in Big Ten play in the regular season. Second place finish led to his Big Ten Coach of the Year, rightfully so, and now leading the program to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 17 years. And here's Coach Brecht. 
It's my pleasure to welcome back to the On the Banks podcast, Rutgers men's lacrosse head coach Brian Brecht, recently named the Big Ten Coach of the Year. And one day after Rutgers made the NCAA tournament for the first time in 17 years. Congratulations, coach. How are things? And um, I can only imagine what the last 24 hours has been like. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, no, uh, certainly a very exciting time uh, for our student athletes. Uh, I'm very proud of uh, the success they've had this year and uh, the commitment, the time they've uh, put in to be in this position, uh, but also really happy and, and excited for our alumni base. You know, we got a great fan base here at Rutgers and our alumni has been outstanding as far as supporting our student athletes. Uh, you know, really, uh, you know, couldn't be in this position right now without the support of our alumni, uh, you know, the, you know, the administrative support, you know, the new Rodkin center that we have and everything that, uh, you know, Pat Hobbs has done for us, uh, you know, since I've been here, uh, it's, it's certainly been a uh, you know, big reason why, you know, we're uh, excited and getting ready for an NCAA tournament game. So certainly want to talk a, a little bit about the matchup ahead, but just to, looking at big picture, I know it's probably hard for you to focus that way right now, but talking about that alumni and asking about, you know, what the outreach has been like since you made the tournament, you know, what, what kind of impact do you think this is going to have on the program moving forward after coming close several times and now being able to break through with this with this team? Yeah, I'm sure everyone knows this, you know, is that it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It's a progression and been very happy with the, you know, success that we've had this year. But we have a great senior class. We have some great leadership that have, you know, been in the program for the last four or five years, uh, seven years. If you, if you know, you look at uh, Adam Charlambides and, um, you know, but we've also had some, you know, great young alumni that have graduated the last couple of years that have really did a lot of the heavy lifting and uh, paved the way. And, and certainly uh, what you're seeing now is a culmination of, uh, you know, the last four, five, six years, uh, you know, uh, on the field and on campus here. And, um, you know, I think our older alumni that have been very generous, you know, to supporting our student athletes, you know, uh, need to be thanked as well. You know, we, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do what we're doing right now, going from the Big East to the Big Ten and Obviously, uh, the limitations early on in the Big Ten uh, with revenue sharing, um, you know, our alumni have closed the gap in there, you know, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, the reason why, you know, our student athletes and, you know, we're, we're playing at this level right now, uh, having eight wins in the Big Ten. This is a special year where not only are we making the NCAA tournament, but, you know, these guys, you know, no other team is going to have more than eight wins ever again, um, you know, in the Big Ten. You know, just going back to a five-game regular season, you have a quarterfinal game, a semi, and a championship. So uh, even if everyone, you know, wins out moving forward, that's eight. So, uh, you know, they'll be tied. So uh, uh, eight wins in the Big Ten is, is certainly a, a great accomplishment and uh, proud of all the guys, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, for uh, accomplishing that goal and, and punching the ticket to, you know, play an NCAA tournament game. And speaking of that conference-only schedule, you know, I, I think the, I wanted to ask you about the perception out there about the Big Ten that it was, you know, a supposed down year, which I, I think was a bit misleading because there was no non-conference play. So records are a little bit different. You know, you you plan to play two te- uh, every team twice this year, Johns Hopkins three times. You know, um, how strong do you think the conference was and how well prepared do you think it's made you? Listen, um, anyone who wants to have a serious conversation and think the Big Ten was down this year because we played a conference-only schedule is is really being disen- uh, disingenuous. The conference is, you know, the same as it's always has. You know, for the last five years, since 2015, the conference has always been either ranked number one or number two in overall RPI. The conference has been ranked one or two in non-conference wins, you know, Fact and uh, just for us, we're playing each other twice. You know, think about it. When we started this year, there was only 30 wins to be had in the conference. Well, the top two teams, you know, had 18 of those wins. That means you had four teams fighting for the 12 other wins that were left. So five teams started, you know, the preseason ranked in the top 20, and you know, five teams would have ended ranked in the top 20 if we were able to play non-conference games against, you know, other conferences, um, you know, so uh, there was no Ivy League. So those Ivy League games uh, weren't there. There was no Big Ten ACC games. So, um, you know, some of the conference games were, um, you know, to programs that, you know, were able to, you know, pad their, uh, you know, their uh, win-loss record. So we didn't have any padding this year. So, uh, you know, we had to earn, 
every Big Ten game. And, um, you know, like I said, the history is that uh, the Big Ten has always been in the top one or two in, in all those statistics. So why would this year be any different if we went out of conference and, and played another eight or nine, you know, non-conference games each? I agree with you. It makes sense. Um, and, and I think that uh, they're, they're definitely – what was a little bit of attrition there just because you're, you're having to play each other so many times it happens in, in, in men's basketball as well. Um, but talking about making the tournament now, do you feel that as a program, there's a little bit of a, maybe a weight off um, now that you have broken through and it will help you going into Saturday's game against Lehigh with the guys maybe being a little bit more loose and, and able to just focus at the ta- on the task at hand? I don't think so. Um, you know, it's never been something that we dwelled on. We've never talked about the NCAAs in the office, in the locker room, uh, on the field. It's something that the the media has asked, you know, preseason, during the season and postseason. But, uh, you know, our guys have never talked about it. We, we, we want to compete and get better each week. We want to be able to be the best version of us when we have those 60 minutes on game day against a different color jersey. So um, I don't think we played particularly well on Thursday night. And, uh, um, you know, in May... Uh, whether it's a Big Ten tournament game or an NCAA tournament game, you need to play well. You know, uh, you can't just be average. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, uh, having a couple days off and, you know, we uh, we got a great lottery ticket that was handed to us. So, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we're going to punch that in and, you know, have a you know, a breath of fresh air and a, a, a great opportunity to, uh, you know, have a great week of practice and travel well and, and have a, you know, a great game on, on Saturday against a, a very good opponent and, you know, someone who's seated in top eight. And, um, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, prepare well and uh, we're going to, you know, play and, and uh, hopefully be the best version of us uh, on Saturday. So speaking about your team this season, uh, uh, one of the best offenses in the and in, in school history, really, uh, third best offensive efficiency in the country. You know, obviously with Adam Charles and Blaze, Connor Kirst, and um, Kieran Mullins, you also have Big Ten freshman of the year, Shane Knobloch. How how has the offense gelled, um, and has it kind of it, you know accomplished the expectations that you had for this group coming in? I never want to hit the ceiling, so our expectations are always going to be to grow and to keep on uh, developing. You know through the, through the year. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but if you go back and you look at the experience that that attack unit has, not only here at Rutgers with AC and Mullins, you know, being older guys and, and starting and uh, being in, uh, you know, every game uh, here on the banks, but, you know, Connor Curse was an impact player for four years before coming to Rutgers. He's continuing to be an impact player and they, they really complement each other well. Uh, so uh, even though it's the first year they've all, you know, been gelling and working together since the fall, they have really built a, a great friendship and a, and develop really a, a, a good developed as a good unit, you know, playing off each other and, and, uh, and really uh, complementing each other as far as, uh, you know, cause they're all a little different. They, they're not all the same players, uh, you know, uh, and then, you know, the, besides Shane that you mentioned who had a great freshman campaign and um, you know, very thankful that, uh, you know, he uh, put all the time in, you know, in the off season to get to this point and um, you know, having 15 goals as a, as a freshman is, is outstanding as a midfielder, it's even better. We're going to need him um, as we go through the month of May. But I, I also think that, uh, you know, the other guys offensively are also older guys and guys that have started and played in big games for us. You know, David Sprock has been a, a three-year starter for us. Ryan Gallagher has started and played in every game in his four years here uh, at Rutgers. You know, Mike Sanguinetti is a senior that's playing very well and has continued to get better throughout his career. And, you know, and then, you know, obviously uh, Ross Scott is, is really – you know, or come on recently. And, uh, you know, he's another one as a freshman last year, you know, played in every game. So he's got a lot of experience now, you know, coming down the home stretch. And, you know, I think our rope unit, you know, the, the, the short sticks that go from defense to offense, you know, they're getting better and better at sinking their teeth into the game plan and getting stops and, and clearing the ball. But they've also given us a lot of punch on the offensive end with those attack guys uh, in some of our early offense NASCAR system that we play. And, I think besides Shane, like you said, who's a freshman, a lot of older, a lot of experience and a, and a lot of uh, battle tested players, you know, on the offensive end uh, for us to you know have that offensive punch. And, and certainly, you know, I think uh, Coach Sermon has done a great job, you know, uh, working with them and uh, allowing them to play to their strengths. So, um, you, know, you know, we've had a great practice. Uh, you know, we had a, had a good one today to start the week and, um, you know, looking forward to another couple of days before uh, heading down to Charlottesville. 
Defensively, uh, obviously, Colin Curse has had a tremendous year in the net. Uh, Big Ten goalkeeper of the year. Huge impact uh, on this team. We also had uh, Jared Jean-Felix uh, make a uh, second team All-Big Ten. How has the defense responded? And, um, you know, how are you looking at their, you know, importance going into this NCAA tournament game? We played probably a little bit more defense than offense this year. And, uh, you know, I think the chemistry – uh, that Coach Ryan has uh, been able to instill with the whole unit uh, of just, you know, the energy and the flying around and the dictating of tempo uh, has been uh, has been outstanding. Uh, so Garrett Bullitt's probably the elder statesman and he's been around six years. He's been injured, um, you know, and missed a couple of seasons. But, you know, every every year he's been healthy. He started every game for us and he's been the backbone down there. And, you know, adding someone like Colin Kirst, to, you know, is another coach on the field, the communication skills, the ball stopping ability, you know, great outletter and, and, and passer to start the transition for us. And, and Bobby Russo has really come on down low. And, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, making the most of the three months in the summer. Um, he was someone that, you know, sprinkled in a little bit last year. You know, he out of, out of you know, we talked about, you know, um, you know, the time off with uh, the canceling of the season in the summer. No one has put more work in and, uh, and has developed his game and took advantage of the, the time off than Bobby Russo has. Uh, he's certainly a, a self-made man and worked his butt off this summer, and it shows, and that's why he's a big tender starting a starting defenseman and, uh, and is helping us, uh, you know, playing our first NCAA tournament game, uh, you know, in a while. Just shifting to the matchup a little bit with Lehigh, you know, you do have familiarity with uh, this scrim. Uh, you played them in 2018, beat them in non-conference loss in, in 19. Obviously, Colin Curse was at Lehigh previously, and um, their second leading scorer is uh, his, his and uh, Connor's brother, Cole Curse. You know, from a media standpoint, you, you know, it's something fun to talk about. But just in terms of your familiarity with the program, how does that help, you know, prepare with such kind of short notice, uh, just a few days to get ready? You know, how do you feel in general you match up uh, against the Patriot League champs? Yeah, you know, obviously it's, it's a little ironic that uh, we're 40 minutes away and uh, right down the road we played in 18 and 19 and uh, and we're going to travel all the way down to Charlottesville, Virginia to, to play this NCAA tournament game. And But, uh, you know, but the storyline, obviously, with the three Curse brothers all being on the same field, you know, it's certainly, uh, you know, great for, you know, for you and the media to discuss because all three of them are impact players, uh in uh, in in both the programs, you know, we've been very business like, you know, in all our games, you know, in, in the Big Ten and and going on the road and at home, and um, I don't think this one's going to be any different. Um, you know, uh, you know, Colin's been a big part of our success, you know, down low. You know, Connor's, uh, you know, been great on the offensive end and a big part of, uh, you know, gelling and the and in the, the offensive prowess that we've had. So uh, I know when the whistle blows and and uh, and it's time for game day. You know, I, I think they're going to, uh, you know, be the best versions of them and uh, and help us, uh, you know, have success. And uh, afterwards, I think it'll be fun to, you know, reminisce and uh, probably over the summer and over the next couple of holidays at Thanksgiving and Christmas and for years down the road, um, you know, mom's probably going to, you know, not be happy on game day to uh, have to <laughs> be split with her support. But I think when it's all said and done uh, down the road, uh, these are going to be great memories for, for the whole family. Couple more questions for you, Coach. I uh, did want to ask just in terms of one specific part of this matchup uh, with faceoffs. Obviously, it's been an area you know you've, you've been working on this season. Um, you know they have a, a strong guy, Mike Susselberg, eighty uh, percent wins uh, in faceoffs this year. How do you go into a matchup like that? Is there anything you can you can do you know preparation wise, or is it really just being able to execute in that moment? And then obviously with what you do well as the team as well. Yeah, you know I, I think uh, you know I'm not naive, and uh, I see what's going on on game day, and uh, obviously. Uh, statistically, uh, you know, the number one uh, stat that matters is the scoreboard at the end of the 60 minutes. And I think, uh, you know, Coach Dolan's done a great job with our faceoff unit and in uh, and helping them, you know, not only just, uh, you know, develop uh, at the faceoff dot and, uh, you know, working on some counters and, and uh, you know, working with the wing play to get them more involved and, and helping out uh, with, with uh, the different faceoff guys, depending on the technique and what they're looking to do. But uh, the one thing that, you know, uh, I, I can't stress enough is that John DeHenio, who's been our starter, is is probably one of the better athletes and lacrosse players that we have. So, you know, he's a talented faceoff guy. But you know, what I think people don't see is that he, he's probably our, our sixth or seventh 
leading scorer. So, you know, uh, even if he doesn't win the faceoff, if he can scrap and pick up a ground ball, run in transition, stay on the field when other teams are subbing out and give us maybe a little six on five look for, you know, five, six, seven, eight seconds. You know, he, he's got a couple of goals, a few assists and, and, uh, and really is savvy uh, in some of that stuff outside the, the, the face-off draw. So he also hustles and rides. And, you know, there's a few that we maybe have lost throughout the season, but we've gotten back and had a possession from it. So it maybe goes down as a stat loss, but, you know, at the end of the game, we've had a couple more possessions than maybe the stats show. But listen, any game at this time of year is going to be a challenge. You know, they have one of the better face-off guys in the country. The, that 80% statistic uh, uh, success is staggering. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of things well in other areas of the game to give us a couple extra possessions if we're not going to win it on the draw. But we're hoping we can battle and, you know, get a few more than just 20% of the possessions uh, that, you know, statistically everyone's looking for us to get. So if we can stay consistent of where we are right now and be, you know, 40 to 50% at the X against a guy at that level and uh, his talent and then uh, get a few more with a with a save or two a couple more ground balls you know one or two less failed clears statistically that give us the ball on the offensive end in our attack unit's hands a few more times than maybe being 50 50 at the faceoff back uh, I, I do like the efficiency like you said to start the show how efficient our offense is uh, if we get them the ball you know they're gonna you know they're gonna do the right thing with it and last question, obviously, um, huge moment for the program to make the tournament, but uh, actually haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 1990. The opportunity to do uh, to end that drought is there as well. How, as a head coach, do you balance, you know, the high of making the tournament and the emotions of it all versus focusing on the task at hand and really being able to take advantage of this, uh, you know, very big opportunity for the program? Listen, for everyone involved, from our administration to our players to our alumni, it's a great moment, um, you know, to be able to punch our ticket and earn a trip to the NCAA uh, and compete on Saturday. Some of these guys weren't even born when you start talking about 17 years. Ago. Well, I've been here for 10 years. The guys in the program, Adam has been here seven, but everyone else has been one, two, three, four years. So uh, I don't think we look at the kids don't see it that way. I know our coaching staff doesn't see it that way. We're excited for this opportunity. The guys, you know, enjoyed the selection show and they should have last night they've earned that opportunity. It's a, it's a fun way for them to be celebrated and for them to enjoy the experience that they're going to embark on this week. So, but you know, the fanfare is, is kind of over a few media op obligations and, and uh, deservingly so for those players that, you know, are asked to talk about a little bit of their experience and the situation we're in right now. But I think our guys, they just want to, you know, enjoy the time with each other on the field, in the locker room. Finals are wrapping up and coming to an end on Wednesday. So you know, we started finals last week. We're finishing up uh, them this week. So by the time we get on the road and head down to Charlottesville and by the time the whistle blows on Saturday, school's going to be over. Finals are going to be done. And uh, these guys are going to have fun and they're going to enjoy, you know, every minute with each other, you know, uh, wearing that Rutgers jersey and representing uh, the Big Ten. Rutgers men's lacrosse head coach Brian Breck, Big Ten Coach of the Year, a few days out. Program's first NCAA tournament appearance in 17 years. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this weekend against Lehigh, and uh, appreciate it. And um, best of luck once again. Thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Coach Brecht. Always great to talk to him. Exciting to see what this team is going to be able to do on Saturday. And to find out more, we're now going to talk to star Adam Charolambides, first team All-Big Ten selection. It's my pleasure to welcome in Rutgers men's lacrosse player, Adam Charolambides. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on making the NCAA tournament. And uh, just wanted to ask you to start just how the last few uh, few days have been. Obviously, you got in uh, about 36 hours from now, but just the experience of waiting to find out. And then obviously uh, the jubilation of, of making it and now in preparation mode for Saturday's game. I guess I'll start with the moment of excitement. I mean, the room was electric when we found out, you know, everyone jumped up and was clapping and, you know, hugs were going around and that was pretty special to see and be a part of with the team. And then kind of the second wave of what was really cool was a couple of the guys who uh, early in my experience uh, got like Scott Bita and Jules Henningberg and just had brief conversations with them. And, you know, those are some guys who really laid the foundation and this really interwoven program. So from our alumni to the current players, you know, I think you can just feel the excitement from everyone. 
And just what, you know, you've had obviously a very unique career, three different seasons ended to, to injury twice in the preseason. You know, you chose to come back this spring. Obviously, you know, what does this mean to you personally, just in terms of all the, the work you've invested into this program and your career to be able to, to go out on this note, bringing the, the program back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in almost two decades? Yeah, it means a lot. I mean, this team was really special. You know, they committed to working all fall and uh, acknowledging the challenges of COVID and what the social restrictions were going to be. So a lot of credit goes out to the whole team and, you know, especially the medical staff who helped us. But it means a lot, but we want to go get this one. You know, we're excited to make a run here. We're game planning for Lehigh and we're excited for this game uh, Saturday. And just talking about this team specifically, you've obviously played with a lot of great players, you know, in your career at Rutgers. But, you know, being up top with and you've played many years with Kieran Mullins now and then uh, obviously adding Connor Curse this season. What has it been like that the three of you, you know, to be able to lead this offense and, and, and kind of how your relationship and chemistry has developed on and off the field? Yeah, it's cool. So really excited that the Curse brothers decided to choose Rutgers uh, for this year. They've clearly been a massive part to the success we're experiencing. And, and, you know, Kieran's like a brother to me. Thankful for all the years we got to play together. Really thankful he came back for his extra year, too. Made it all the more special. And, you know, our offense has been gelling all year. You see the ball getting shared, and uh, we're trying to just find our best lacrosse here going into the NCAA tournament. But um, I'll always say we're just playing our best when everyone's touching the ball and we're moving or flying around. So it's really just been a group effort. And it's been a pleasure playing with Connor and Kieran and just developing that chemistry all year. And then with Kieran, it's been year after year. So really excited for it. And, you know, both both of you guys probably have more perspective than, than most guys on the team. But just in terms of being here so long and knowing what it means for the program to, to make the NCAA tournament, do you feel that there's any kind of weight off or, you know, a little bit of pressure behind you now and heading now that you have made it and, and kind of, you know, a little bit feeling of, of liberation just going into Saturday's game, knowing you just have to play? I think there's also, you know, a spark of momentum knowing that, you know, good work will provide good results. You know, we've been we've been working our ass off year after year. And, you know, that didn't change the years we didn't experience this success. But just having a cumulative body and just, you know, continue to work at that process and what's going to allow you to get better each week has uh, allowed us to put us in this, this position. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of a relief off the shoulders for getting into our first playoff game here. Super excited. Obviously a great regular season, eight wins. You swept four different Big Ten teams, second place finish. Just in terms of, of the Big Ten tournament, you know, you had the loss to Johns Hopkins in your last game. It's going to be at, you know, over two weeks at this point once you're back on the field. Do you think that that performance, although it wasn't where you guys wanted to be, might actually help you kind of uh, refocus and, and, and help, you know, kind of just put the emphasis on what Saturday means and the opportunity that's in front of you? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something every athlete, and just person can relate to, you know, you face hardship, uh, you know, like a loss and you always want to like respond to that and a loss to a good Hopkins team, uh, you know, in that big 10 semis that definitely burned, but you know, we've been using it as motivation all week. And it's also allowed us to reflect on, you know, what happened in a playoff game? How did we play in that game? How are you, how are you feeling? You know, what do we need to adjust so that we can have all of our cylinders firing uh, going into this next playoff game? And then, you know, that two weeks of prep is just going to be great for us. You know, we're playing on Clockner Stadium. That's uh, going to be grass. So it's a uh, good practice on your sack uh, field for the next uh, however many days. Being a team leader, obviously, um, in terms of, you know, the experience that it was to finally make the tournament, how are you approaching, you know, balancing those emotions versus making sure that you personally, but also the team, you know, is prepared when you do step on the field on Saturday? You know, I'm 25 now, as you guys know. So I've had a, I had a few championship experiences in my day, going back to Big Ten Championship in 2016. Um, also in that summer, I played in the National Championship for box back in Canada, out in uh, Coquitlam, BC. So I guess just learning from those experiences, you know, the more you can just keep it business as usual, do what you do and be who you are, the more you allow everyone else to do the same. So I'm just going to be the same guy I always am. Gonna bring my energy. I'm gonna try to fire the guys up every single day of practice. I'm gonna bring my compete, try to push the pace, and then, you know, just enjoy it, you know, and uh, the more you can see a leader enjoying the moment, you know, it allows you to just relax. And be like, all right, it's just another game. And I think that the mentality I have towards that are things I've learned from guys like Scott Bita, Jules Henningberg, you know, Bita was cool as a cucumber in that 2016 championship. And uh, that allowed me to just kind of settle in uh, back as a redshirt freshman that year. 
couple more for you. But in terms of your, your career and experience, you know, you've been at Rutgers seven years. I kind of wanted to ask you just how the whole experience has gone for you just as a student athlete and seeing how far the athletic department has come in your time at Rutgers. It's almost like it's a different school from wh- where you started to where you are now. And just curious, you know, obviously elevating the lacrosse program like you have, but just seeing all the other Rutgers teams, you know, having success now in the Big Ten after, you know, starting out, taking a lot of time to be able to get to the level you guys are at as an athletic department. It's incredible. I mean, seven years is a long time. And, you know, Pat Hobbs has come in and done an absolutely just phenomenal job with the entire athletic program. I mean, you can see the momentum across the board in all of our teams. And uh, that starts with uh, connecting with the alumni and then, you know, getting the resources and the facilities that we have now. I mean, the Rock Building, you guys have seen it. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, But, you know, that's what is competing in the Big Ten nowadays. You know, everyone's pushing the pace. So, you know, Pat has really allowed us to start stepping up with a lot of different programs. And, you know, I'm just happy that uh, the lacrosse program gets to contribute that to uh, success as uh, part of Rutgers University success. And, you know, just in terms of your own career, you're going to go down as one of the greatest men's lacrosse players in Rutgers history. Obviously, this is the biggest game of your career ahead. The senior class is going to be remembered forever. You know, how important is for you and, and, and the rest of the senior class to, to go out on a high note? And, um, you know, just in terms of preparing for Saturday, how do you feel going in just in terms of having this, this extra time to prepare? Uh, I feel great about the extra time. You know, we're a team that really uh, practices hard and uh, we're really diligent with our preparation with watching film, game planning, and then, you know, understanding what we do well and what makes us Rutgers lacrosse. So, you know, it's all the more time to just keep doubling down on that and just cementing what is our processes and who we are. And I mean, you know, you control what you can control. And this team's been working hard all year and they're going to continue to work hard. And then we put it on the field for 60 minutes on Saturday. And last question, just in terms of Coach Brecht, you obviously have a, a you know a lot of history with him. You know, how has your relationship been with him, and and what has his message been to the team heading into Saturday? My relationship with Coach Brecht's amazing. I mean, I love that guy. He's always had my back. You know, through the ACL injuries, everyone has their support. And uh, like I've mentioned before, my support system was unbelievable through those downtimes. But one guy who just was steady in my ear was Coach Brecht. Just always, you know, reassuring my confidence and. Just making sure that, you know, hey, you're going to come back for this and you're going to do it exactly what you want to do. And, you know, when a guy who's successful as he has running a, a guy you looked up to, it's your head coach, you know, it just it lets you not waver from the process. So can't thank him enough for what he did for me through those down times. And then, you know, excited for what we've got to experience together through the good times. And, you know, I hope we get to make history here together. So just so thankful he recruited me to Rutgers and uh, been a pleasure all the years together. Adam Charlin Bides, uh, first team All-Big Ten selection, multiple years, one of the best players in program history. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this Saturday, and uh, Rutgers Nation will be rooting for you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks again to both head coach Melissa Lehman of Women's Lacrosse and head coach Brian Brecht of Men's Lacrosse, as well as T.T. Nislanski and Adam Charlin Bides for taking the time such a busy week for them, just a few days out from the program's first NCAA tournament appearances in years. Really exciting time to be a lacrosse fan at Rutgers as well as the entire athletic department. It's been a banner year on the banks in terms of improvement and ending historical droughts, challenging for Big Ten titles. We have rowing going this weekend. Wanted to mention that. Could be the first program to ever win a Big Big Ten title at the Big Ten Championships on Sunday. Number five team in the country right now. So that's something we'll talk about another day. Men's and women's lacrosse, again, this Friday, 4 o'clock, women's lacrosse takes on Drexel. And this Saturday, 2.30 p.m., men's lacrosse takes on Patriot League champs Lehigh. So stay tuned for that. We'll have previews on the site as well. Thanks again to everyone, and thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Follow On The Banks on Twitter, at OTB underscore SB Nation, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.